Hey, welcome to The Centre Podcast. We're a church based in Dural, Sydney, who love Jesus and want to share the message of hope that he brings for all people. We pray that you're blessed by this word and that it reveals God's love for you in a new way. Enjoy. Good morning, everybody. I have a special... Now, by now, you've probably learned I ask lots of questions because I feel like a sermon is not just me talking. We're on a journey together. So perhaps this might encourage some people to... Yeah, yeah. Well, why should the kids have all the fun? Learning the Bible, it's an amazing privilege. It's something that a lot of our brothers and sisters around the world don't have the privilege of doing. So why not make it a bit fun as well? Now, we're going to start off with a bit of a game. Now, there are currently four pastors in this room. You are excluded from this game. So, Mari, can you put the first slide up? Please. Thank you. All right. Now, can you see that picture? That's a fairly traditional Christmas image, yes? Who can tell me? Well, it's a bit hard to see, isn't it? Who can tell me what is wrong if you can see that image? What is wrong with it? Everyone's doing cotton camels. Oh, that's pretty good, actually. It's pretty good. Yeah. It is really terrible. Yeah, I think that's the lights. All right. It looked really good on my computer, I promise. That's actually meant to be a blue background. Anyway, what the... You've, Thomas did hit it right. Three wise, three wise men. There wasn't probably three wise men. I'm going to give you chocolate. For that. Oh. There probably wasn't three wise men. There's probably more. And if you look there, oh, geez, it's very hard to see. See, there's some shepherds there. Shepherds and wise men weren't there at the same time. Now, one of the issues with every year with Christmas, we merge our Christmas accounts. Now, there it's two Gospels which have the Christmas account. Do you know what they are? Luke, yeah? And what's the other one? Who said Luke? And one more. Matthew. Who said that one? Oh, there we go. Correct. Okay, now we're going to play another game. Next slide, please. Hopefully these will be able to see. Which gospel, Matthew or Luke? Okay, next slide, please, Murray. Okay, where did this happen, Matthew or Luke? That's an angel appearing to Mary. I heard Luke. Who said Luke? Yeah, it's Luke. Oh, sorry, Angie. All right, next slide. Oh, Three wise men, Matthew or Luke? Matthew, there you go. (laughs) Shocked it. All right, next one. Oh, here we go. Angel appearing to the shepherds. Ah, it's Luke. Luke, who said that? Oh, yeah. Um, Next one. Okay, this one's a bit more intense. This is a picture of a woman holding a baby in fear in Bethlehem. Matthew. There you go. Very good, Rob. You know your Bible. Anyone think you go into prisons and teach Kairos? 
<laughs> All right, I think there might be one more. This one, this is a very famous image of a very white-looking Joseph and a white-looking angel. Where did this happen? Matthew, Matthew, look. All right, someone else apart from Rob. Anyone else? Matthew, who said that? There we go. All right, and I think this would be the last one I have here. The manger. Which gospel does the manger appear in? Luke. Yeah, Luke. Yeah. Who said it first? Oh, there you go. Here you go. You can have one. There you go. I got lots of chocolates to get. All right. We're done. Thank you for participating, church. Very good. Now, I have three victims, I mean volunteers, who are going to come up and read Matthew's opening gospel. Now, as they're coming up, if you were to turn to Matthew chapter 1, everybody, so can my readers please come up? Thank you so much. And Matthew chapter 1, it's the first book of the New Testament. We're super excited to learn about the life of Jesus. And what do you get? A genealogy. Now, I have more homework for you. You, know, why? you can't just sit there and do nothing and just listen to me. I want you to identify three things interesting from this genealogy. Three things. Okay? Go, Mary. This is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob. Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah, who were the, whose mother was Tamar. Perez, the father of Hezron. Hezron, the father of Ram. Ram, the father of Aminadab. Aminadab, the father of Nashon. Nashon, the father of Salmon. Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obed, Obed whose mother was Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Solomon, the father of Rehoboam. Rehoboam, the father of Abijah. Abijah, the father of Asa. Asa, the father of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat, the father of Jehoram. Jehoram is the father of Uzziah. Uzziah, the father of Jotham. Jotham, the father of Ahaz. Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah. Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh. Manasseh, the father of Amon, Amon, the father of Josiah, and Josiah, the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the exile to the Babylon. <laughs> After the exile to Babylon, Jeconah was the father of Shatil. Shatil was the father of Zebiral, <laughs> the father of Abdul, Abdul, the father of Ilikum, Ilikum the father of Azor, Azor the father of Zadok, Zadok the father of Ikim, Akim, the father of Eliam, Eliam the father of um, Eleazar, Eleazar the father of Matan, Matan the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Joseph, and the husband of Mary. And Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. Thus, there were 14 generations in all, from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile to Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Messiah. Brilliant job. I should give you guys all a chocolate. Fantastic. 
Actually, that, that really illustrated my point well. There are some very difficult names. Okay, now let's be honest. Who has read that genealogy? Oh, wow, you guys are amazing. Fantastic. Lots of Christian brownie points for you all. Most people, and myself included, till I really started studying the Bible, would see that genealogy and be like, meh, yeah, I'm skipping to this. I want to pick up at Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. This is the account of Jesus the Messiah. Because surely that is where the action begins. But here what Matthew has done, he has done something very, very deliberate. He is pointing us back to the Old Testament to understand Jesus. One must know the history of Israel. And he has just compacted 3,000 years of history into 17 verses. Now I asked you, try to identify three things from that genealogy. That seems like a big ask. Uh, I'll give you a clue. Notice how I got three different readers up? What does it say? How is it broken up? Yeah, yeah. so it's broken up into three different eras. Very deliberate. How many names are in each era? 14. Again, that's not an accident. It's very, very deliberate. What's a, what's a second thing? may have noticed something very interesting that normally in a masculine dominated world you wouldn't add four women yeah excellent very good and then the last one this one is oh if you get this this is pretty tricky in genealogies they don't normally name events just people mafia referred to an event like an exile very good. Okay, one of the things I, my goal for you today is to see Scripture, every word that's in there is deliberate. Anything that's not in there is very, very deliberate. So the plan this morning is to sort of unpack those sort of three areas and then come to something practical you can take from that. Now, first thing, the, the three different eras. Now, Matthew is a Christian scribe. He is one who is just soaked in the Hebrew Bible, what we call the Old Testament. He understands it inside out, back to front. And his assumption is that you as the reader, you are also just swimming in this knowledge of the Old Testament. Well, unfortunately, we're some 2,000 years later from that date. And none of us can read Hebrew, Aramaic, or even Greek well, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's someone here who can read it fluently. And so we sort of need these little helps and guides. Now, one of the first things that the rabbis believed with genealogies was that the world was divided into three different eras. Era one was the creation of the world. Era two was when Abraham came about. And for the Jews, Abraham is father Abraham. He means everything to them. And then there was going to be a third era, a third era where the Messiah would come. Now, are you starting to see where I'm heading with this? What's Matthew done? He started with era one, Abraham, era two, David. And then we have here the third era. And who's at the end of the era? 
Mary was the mother of who? Jesus. For, for the rabbis, they were looking for the Messiah to come for the end of the days, for when peace on earth would happen. What Matthew is doing here, he's pointing his reader to say, hey, guess what? That time has come. It is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And if you jump back to the very, very beginning of Matthew's genealogy, it says here, this is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah. I'm going to teach you all a little bit of Greek. I hope it won't be too difficult. In Greek, it's biblios. Can you guess what that word might be? Biblios, Bible. So we get the word Bible. Biblios genusos or Genesis. Biblios genusos iusos Christu which we translate in English as the beginning of the genie or the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah or the beginning of the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah. Now again, that's not an accident. Matthew has put that in there, tying that in with the era. The word Biblios Junusos occurs only two times in what's called the Septuagint. It's the Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible. Only two times. Genesis chapter 2, verse 4, which says this is the genealogy of the heavens and the earth. And the other place is Genesis 5, 1. This is the genealogy of Adam. Now, from the very beginning, what Matthew has done is that here is a new beginning. Here is a new creation. All that is tied in here. This is just so wonderfully written. This, if, you, if you can ever get the chance to go to college and unpack the ancient languages, this is just masterfully written. I have, I have a little saying, we learn theology through genealogy. This is how key words, key ideas, even key structuring, it points us to the purpose that Matthew is writing for. Jesus is the fulfillment of scriptures that have been written about him. So that Jesus is the new creation. The second thing is the women, or I like to call the mothers of Jesus. Now, people have noticed here that there's four different women. Now, for bonus points, what's the ancestry of each of these women? Are they Israelite? Or Gentile. Pardon? Gentile. Oh, sorry, that's a terrible throw. They're Gentile. Again, this is very deliberate. Who was Abraham's wife? Sarah. Who was Isaac's wife? Rebecca. Who was Jacob's wife through Judah? He had lots, he had two wives, but the one that mothered um, Judah was Leah. They are the matriarchs of the Israelites. And surely you think, if you're going to add women to a genealogy, why wouldn't Matthew add Sarah or Rebecca or Rachel or Leah or any other of the prominent women? Why would he mention Tamar, a Gentile? And if you read her story in Genesis 38, it's absolutely disgusting. She ends up having incestuous relationships with her father-in-law, um, Judah. It's just really gross. And we have here another Canaanite, Rahab. 
Rahab the prostitute, you can learn about in the book of Joshua. We have Ruth, who is a Moabite. And we have here, Matthew only calls her Uriah's wife, better known as Bathsheba. Why would he reference these four women who are Gentiles? He's kind of stating out a, a fact here. What is an Israelite? What, what is a follower of Yahweh's Torah? And what it says here, it's not someone who is biologically an Israelite. It's someone who shows some sort of act of faith. Now, each of these women, believe it or not, Tamar, despite sleeping with her father-in-law, was actually showing some sort of act of righteousness. She realized that her husband's line was going to be destroyed. So guess what? I'm going to, you have to read it later. I haven't got time to go into it. So I'm going to come up with this plan to ensure that his line continues. Rahab recognized Yahweh's supremacy over the gods of the Canaanites and helped the spies. Ruth, despite her Moabite status, she recognized her mother-in-law's Naomi's plight and honored herself to Boaz. And Uriah's wife, or Bathsheba, she was raped by King David. Yet God chose her and her son Solomon to be the king over Israel, to be the model Israelite king full of wisdom. Each of these narratives, they draw up some of the worst of the worst and some of the best of Israelite history. Now, as a king, Jesus is the son of David. He is a king. And if you were a king and you had a crazy relative who slept with her father-in-law, would you not want to just remove that? Just blot that out. If you had a relative who was a Canaanite prostitute living in Jericho, eh, might not be too proud of that. Or an ancestor who was raped by a king. These aren't proud moments. And Matthew has put these in here deliberately to make us think, well, make his reader think about this and therefore us. Now, in Matthew's gospel, the first people to worship Jesus, who are they? The wise men. Those wise men, they're not Israelites. They're Gentiles. This is very deliberate. Matthew is showing how Jesus, as the fulfillment of the third era of the last days, how Jesus, the, the new creation, the one who has Gentile ancestry in him, is king, not just of the Jews, but of all nations. He has come to save everyone. You wouldn't think that, just reading a list of names here. This is just the beauty of Scripture. It's just phenomenal. It just continually blows my mind away. And the last point, as people notice, there's an event Matthew refers to. This is the exile. Now, the exile happened in the year 587 BC. It's where the Babylonian armies um, surrounded Jerusalem and destroyed the city, destroyed the temple, and those who were living there were taken to Babylon. There they lived there for 70 years. I remember a few weeks back, I spoke about Ezra rebuilding the temple. So they were the guys who came back from exile. 
Now, what's really interesting is that in each of the eras, so era one, Matthew refers to Judah and his brothers. In era two, at the end here, before they go to exile, it says Jehoina and his brothers at the time of exile. Then we get to era three, after the exile to Babylon, we keep reading, we go, oh, there's no reference to anyone and his brothers. That's not an accident. Matthew didn't just forget to, to put it in there. He's setting up his narrative. So here we are in this exile period, which the Jews believe because the son of David wasn't reigning, they were still in exile. The Jerusalem was, well, who are they controlled by? The Roman Empire? They're controlled completely and utterly by the Romans. They have no freedom. They have no independence. In fact, the, the king of the Jews that's there, who will pick up a few weeks later, King Herod, is a terribly, terribly wicked man. For the Jews at that time, they saw themselves in exile, needing to be released. Matthew's hinted here, this new creation language, in this three-tiered genealogy, exile has ended. And he's hinting too, who are the brothers? Who will be the brothers here in the third era? And we pick up that answer later on in Matthew chapter 28, all the way at the end of his narrative. Matthew chapter 28, verse 8, when Jesus is resurrected, it says here, So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said, and they came to him, clasped his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. This is very, very deliberate. Matthew's pointing, who who are the brothers of Jesus? Who are the brothers in this new era? We have the brothers of of Judah. That, That represents the first era of Abraham and his family going out. In the second era, we have Jehoiada and his brothers at the time of exile, representing King David's line and the Israelites who went into exile. Now we have it in this new era where exile has ended. The brothers of Jesus are those who believe in him. By extension, that's all of us. You just wouldn't think that, would you? Just reading this 17 verses of genealogy. There's one thing you can take away from today, that the Bible is just a wonderful book that points us to God, to salvation, and what he has done in Jesus Christ. So now I've just filled you with a bunch of Bible knowledge, fun facts you can take at yeah, next dinner party, right? Oh, guess what? The beginning of Matthew starts with Biblios Dionysos Inusos Christu. And you can talk about Genesis and linking with exile and all that. But what are some practical steps? What can we do as believers here Sunday morning in the 21st century with Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 to 17? The thing we can take from this is that all nations are to be saved. Read that list. Even the 
non-Gentile people, those Israelites, they had just wicked, wicked kings. Some of these kings are just terrible. That's part of the ancestry of Jesus Christ. This has always been God's heart to save sinners, to rescue them. Take that to heart. God cares about us. God has given a plan to rescue us and to save us. But two, we are Jesus' brothers. We are his friends. It sounds very simple. It sounds a bit Sunday schoolish. Yeah, where well, Jesus is my friend. That's deeply, deeply comforting. The God of this universe, the one who upholds this world by just the power of his word, he is a friend of us. He is a brother to us. He considers us to be family. Number three. There is no family messiness that God cannot overcome. We all come from crazy families, yes? Yes, I certainly do. We all have a crazy uncle that we all just want to shove in a cupboard and never see again. Well, Jesus' ancestry, man. (laughs) It's pretty wild. It's pretty crazy. Adulterers, incestuous people, literally child sacrifices. It's murderers. Everyone is there. It's awful. And yet God is working in the midst of that messiness. And what is he doing? Bringing salvation. And you know what also is really cool? The fourth point. We in the era where there will be no end. And every genealogy in the Bible, there's book of Genesis or book of Chronicles, anywhere else you read it, genealogies always end. Eventually someone dies. Guess who is the last name on that list? Jesus, who is called Messiah, he will never die. By extension, none of us will ever die. We have eternal life. We have hope. We have salvation. And friends, that's Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 to 17. You wouldn't have believed it, would you, this morning? You can learn theology through genealogy. Lord bless you. Let me pray for us. Lord, we just thank you for your word. What an amazing privilege it is to be able to study it, to unpack it, and just to see the richness that is there. And Lord, we just thank you that in the midst of a messy, messy life, that's full of heartache and suffering, you are there. You're the one that got your hands dirty. You tabernacled with us. And we thank you that in this Christmas season, we can reflect on that, that the God of this universe humbled himself to become a baby and to live as a man and to die on a cross and all that we may receive salvation. And so, Lord, I just thank you for that. Ask your blessing on us all now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to help others discover this channel. Check out the description if you want to find out more or get in touch with us at the Centre Dural. But in the meantime, praying for God's hand over you as you continue to step into everything Jesus has in store for your life. Be blessed.